uh watched it on twitch watch the stream yeah, simultaneously <laughs> yeah uh, that's all good but i'm still super paranoid about this for some reason but um pretty sure we're good give me one more good just just say your name denzel tong yeah okay i think you're good um okay well thanks everybody for coming to the podcast or checking in uh tuning in and all that stuff and if you're on spotify thank you for listening again but this is um our debut our premiere podcast uh the Blackcast. um i'm your host jazz student at hnu and president of the lgbt plus club over in hnu loud and proud um don't know what else to say uh denzel introduce yourself yeah, I guess I'm co-host Denzel Tong. I'm uh, the policy fellow at the California Initiative for Health Equity in Action and uh, student at UC Berkeley. And uh, yeah. Cool. And uh, what I wanted to start with is sort of explain the genesis, maybe the genesis or the idea behind the podcast, because um, I think this started as just us like talking late at night. Um, on Xbox and just being like, well, we talk for hours, man. We could turn this into a podcast and people would probably listen to it. Um, but like, uh, I think, I think in my, in my head, I wanted to do like uh, sort of a half in the bag thing. Cause we talked a lot about movies, but then we started talking more about politics and then we're just like, okay. Um, <laughs> cause of COVID the video thing's not going to happen, but we can still sort of do something with a, um, with a podcast i got more I, I got i got a little bit more comfortable with podcasts i, I think i just had like higher expectations of myself because i wanted like do something big and st- stupid but like it's like this is what we have to work with because of the pandemic and the situation um but uh what else were we gonna say about ourselves though like what like what did you want to accomplish with this podcast really I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. I think, you know, we've been talking, playing around with this idea for probably more than a year now. And, you know, we just kind of wanted to share perspectives as black folks coming just from different perspectives. Um, I think we agree on a lot of things. And we also uh, like audio settings while we're doing this. For sure. Yeah, like we, we agree on a lot of things, but also like we we have different perspectives on different things. So I think that's um, just kind of cool to have that discussion. And I'm curious to see if, if there are listeners, if they have any reactions. Um, and I think also could be interesting in the future, like as things develop to have conversations, maybe bring people on. Um, yeah, just, just have conversations, um, about black issues and, uh, black community. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. what was, I think I remember the podcast that I watched to prep myself for this podcast was, uh, <laughs> was, uh, was it the one with Jane Costin and, I remember she mm-hmm. said something about uh, how she doesn't like the word black community because, you know, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. not like we have meetings. Um, <laughs> I've definitely like commented on her Twitter threads just being like, yeah, you know, I, I think we have to elect the president next week, like just jokingly. And a lot of like, I don't usually get that many likes on Twitter comments, but those usually like do pretty well. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty funny. There's usually a really good reaction from the black community. Um, just make poking fun at that, I guess. Yeah um it's it's kind of sad to like say black community sometimes it's like yeah we really ain't together like it's kind of upsetting sometimes i mean like i think we've become closer because it's it's actually kind of messed up we come closer because of big problems right but then yeah. um 
but then we're very very divided and that's that's something that we definitely need to talk about like in other episodes of this podcast is how right. divided we are and like like why that stuff kind of happens and uh i i definitely have my opinions on that because because uh, i live in this world but um going back to what you're saying about our different perspectives you know like i'm a i would say i'm a multi-ethnic racial uh, not racially ambiguous but ethnically ambiguous black kid but um i'm pretty much you know black and filipino um yeah I, like i can't really i feel like i can't claim the um uh, like my mexican heritage because it's not really something that was taught or like given to me as a, a youngin like like literally my grandfather didn't even want my father to be part of that but um because he wanted to, him to assimilate to american society better and even black the black community in the 1950s better but um and then there's uh denzel you want to talk more about your perspective and your life yeah i mean i think to trace my family history a bit like i, I mean i consider myself african-american um from my understanding, uh, descendant of slaves, although obviously there is a multi-ethnic history with all Black people, which we might also be able to get in later. I mean, there's obviously going to be European ancestry and some mixture within there. Um, and race is all a construct, which we'll talk about later. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that's sort of my history. You know, my maternal grandparents from the South and then paternal from like South and East Coast. Um and yeah, you know, I grew up in Oakland as a black person. I think um, my experience with coming into a black identity or socially conscious black identity has been fraught, um, but I'm really happy with the journey and kind of I'm that's yeah, I'm, I'm at where I'm at now. Yeah, I guess I could talk a little bit more about like the other half of me, the other side <laughs> I'm split between my two selves. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, it's not something, like, I mean, I definitely had to battle with, you know, being biracial or multi-ethnic, but, like, because um, it's, like, it's weird for me. Like, I grew up in Oakland, uh, black father, Filipino mother. Mm -hmm. um, I was gonna, I could talk, like, we could do a whole thing. I feel like we have to bring someone in to talk about the model minority myth, but I definitely, something that we definitely touch on with, um, right. Definitely something we touch on um, in my family, and it comes up a lot with in the Filipino side of my family. But um, the other thing is, you know, I was I was raised in Oakland, but like my parents were both working class. Like like they like I didn't really see them other than like at night, and then um, uh, but I was raised primarily by Chinese women. So like and and mm. I was surrounded by Chinese people, like because mm -hmm. I was I grew up in Chinatown despite living in. Uh, different parts of Oakland and there's the uh and then growing up and then it was weird like I was like Chinese exposure first and then slowly like the rest of Oakland I was just like oh there's like you know like I'm hanging out with black people more other than my father and like just mm -hmm. and, and different other people and then there's the conflict of like you know trying to prove myself as like I think we've talked about it well we will talk more about this but you know conflict of having to prove myself as like guess mm -hmm. more black and what that means and um we'll we'll talk about that at another time in another podcast but politically we should talk about maybe our leanings if you were comfortable with that Denzel. yeah sure you want to start off jess no i should definitely go last because yours is very uh approachable mine isn't <laughs> see i was gonna be I, I had a whole like reaction plan in my mind but i i can go off um <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I would say within the American political spectrum, I just identify with like the Bernie kind of Warren, um, like the Sanders Warren wing of the Democratic Party. Um, I would, I don't know if I would say like, I'm super proud to be a Democrat, but I think it's, it's a party that just, it's a big tent. So it encompasses a lot of different folks with different leanings. Um, I generally like would consider myself to have a lot of leftist ideas. Uh, I, I critique capitalism a lot. I think it has a lot of issues. Um, and you know, there's obviously nuance there. And then I would say where I balance that is that I'm also, um, pretty much a pragmatist. I think I really believe in um, trying to make concrete material gains in people's lives in different ways. And in the US political system, that means through compromise, um, which, you know, there's a lot of tension and conflict around that, around, you know, whether we just burn the whole system down or whether we work through compromise and somewhat incremental change, not to say that incremental change is the ideal um, to push towards what we want. Mm. So. To that end, you know, I, uh, I mean, you know me, Jazz, but for folks who don't know me, I mean, I've been a, a policy advocate for like three years. I've worked in health policy. I've worked to try to get more access to, to health careers and health care pathways for uh, lots of populations, but specifically boys and men of color was who I focused on for a while um, and did some state level advocacy. And then I spent two years uh, with the California Immigrant Policy Center um, working to expand healthcare access, specifically Medi-Cal, uh, which, you know, just to get a little bit into the weeds, um, is, is a public health insurance program for low-income folks, really to expand Medi-Cal to undocumented immigrants um, in California. So that's been my work, um, kind of health, health advocacy, what I hope to continue to do. Um, and those are some of my leanings. And yeah, I think the joke I say is like, you know, where are you at politically outside the U.S. spectrum? I'd be like some social democracy would be nice. Like yeah. that's 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 what I say. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah, we definitely should have figured out a bit for that because that would have been funny. If like I wanted to hear what your reaction would have been. Um, so it's so, yeah, Denzel is the nice social uh, Democrat and also the pragmatist. Uh, we'll talk about how we got to where we are politically. Um, I think we should do that next. But where I am at the moment is straight up just, I'm, I'm an anarchist, don't really care for the government too much. Um, I'm very critical of it. I'm very, I'm not, I'm not straight up like, let's abolish it at right now. But like, we should work on probably getting rid of it and focus more on a community based and society based uh structure that could benefit everybody and you know we don't have to exploit everybody or each other anymore um and i mean I, we could talk about where we i mean i'll say i, I was definitely radicalized by <laughs> retail work <laughs> that's let's see i think uh Denzel, I i'm think never going back to fucking retail i'm not going back to fucking retail like it's just not <laughs> happening um and that's and and that is okay that's i think that's a lot of people have been like that they started off pretty like I think they started off, um, let's say, let's say they got out of high school and they're very pro Bernie. Like they're very like, oh yeah, we should have healthcare and we should have like things to meet our basic needs and like not die. But then they go to retail work and they're like, oh no, really? Like this, this sucks. Or it's either that or you're brainwashed into the capitalist or libertarian mindset where you have to work for, you're an individual, work for what you need to work for. And like, that, that's what happens. It's either you become an anarchist in the retail work or uh like anarchist communist like pretty left wing or you become um 
either like a, like a classic liberal, uh, cl- classic liberal or libertarian. Like it's it's mm-hmm. really weird. It's very strange. And within that, there's also like a weird spectrum of that where it's like you, you got into pyramid schemes or you bought Tesla, Tesla, <laughs> I, which are their own fucking uh, pyramid scheme into themselves. But um, I mean, so I would ask you, like, what was your political journey if you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think to without going too in depth and maybe we can talk about this in later episodes, but I think I definitely had more conservative leanings growing up i mean like you know i feel like i only truly came into political conscious consciousness late in high school but i would say like i was fairly conservative on like different areas growing up probably believed in the death penalty and things like that when i was younger but i still probably um i i guess how i would say it like in an easy way like i still watch like the daily show right like i think i still agreed with like general mainstream liberal issues but i think sometimes on different social things i was a bit more conservative or libertarian i guess um in different ways um and so yeah that was kind of my my leanings growing up and i think i I also had a lot of internalized racism that i was dealing with uh growing up for various reasons which we can unpack later um but yeah i think that kind of influenced my political perspective i would say like as i kind of went through high school, I don't know, like just different experiences gradually kind of pushed me a bit. And, but I didn't, uh, what I always say is like, I didn't kind of quite have the language to uh, explain some of the disparities I saw or some of the feelings I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what, like, here's the joke, everyone gets to college and they're radicalized, but like, seriously, like I got, I went to my summer bridge program um, at Occidental College, which I should have mentioned was where I did my undergrad um, down in LA. And it was just like, I guess I I just really helped open my eyes to a lot of the history and like social and structural understanding of racism, of, you know, classism, homophobia, like patriarchy, all these things um, just kind of helped me understand it. And then I went on, you know, to be become a sociologist and, and, and also study public health, which basically in those disciplines, it's kind of, I'm very much a structuralist. I believe that individual people do have, they have say over their actions, but so much of how we believe and how we act is like influenced by structures and society and, and powerful elites. Um, And so like that kind of evolved my political perspective um, to get me to where I'm at today. And I think I, Um, with you talking, thank you, Denzel, but uh, with you talking about like uh, school, um, I was just thinking like, we should do a a podcast on the education system. Like we should do an episode on it. Like it just, it just would work. We would talk about how, um, like school, uh, affected, uh, both of us. Like, as we talk about that a lot, but personally, Mm -hmm. like we were just like, oh yeah, like we had very different experiences, but overall, like we came to the same outcome where it was just like, oh yeah, that was fucked. Um, <laughs> just microaggression. That's what high school was. Just a big. Yeah, high school is one big microaggression. It's really funny, <laughs> funny to say big microaggression. You would say macroaggression, but it's like no, it really, really wasn't. It was like a lot of backhanded comments. Anyway, um, so um, yeah, so like I would say for me, I guess out of high school, I was. I think I was a libertarian. I'm not sure. It's it it's it was very weird uh, for me because I remember watching a lot of like so i was in a place where like there were there were a lot of left-wing radicals in my uh in my extracurricular programs that were just very much like oh yeah uh fuck 
Not like, you know, um, like, fuck the government and they, this, fuck the CIA and, like, you know, just, like, your government's lying to you and basically, you know, it's really, you should be distrustful. I was like, yeah. And I remember, I remember coming to class, like, you know, regular school and just being like, yeah, uh, we shouldn't have to pay rent. And everybody's like, what? It's like, you, you shouldn't have to pay rent. <laughs> like, why do you have to pay to live in a place? And who is that guy that you're giving money to? Fuck that guy. Does he pay? Does he fix anything? My guy doesn't. Um, th- that's because I was living in that apartment that was really bad, um, bad mm-hmm. experience. But I wasn't full-fledged. Like, I wasn't uh, on social issues. I wasn't, like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to straight up say I was misogynist, but pretty misogynist. Um, but uh, politically, um, I think... I, I was very pro-gun and also very individualistic. I was very, very individualistic. I was like, no, you are your own person. You make your own things, and it's up to you to do this and that. And, um, like, the government has some say, but, like, the rest of society really doesn't, and society doesn't really matter. I feel like that's what I had in my head a lot. And I was like, I was really, honestly, it's something that I think about a lot. It's like I was really uh, pushing away the idea of, like, your family's anything. like Or, like, you know, any any of the history of your family doesn't have actually affect like you personally and that really worked my idea of just like oh yeah you know that rich kid definitely got better like he got mm. he, he got more advantages and more opportunities in life because he was rich and his family's rich and his family's rich flavors i don't know but like you know they worked in shipping as uh, uh as uh lovecraft country would say um but but um after like i think after high school i very much got radicalized by both retail work and people i was with that were uh Honestly, what's really interesting is the people I was radicalized by, by talking to them, um, they didn't read a lot of things. They didn't have a lot of theory, mm. but they mm-hmm. were, but they're also middle-class white people, but I guess they just were just socially conscious enough to just accept that like things are fucked and they're yeah. kind-hearted enough to understand like, yeah, things should be better. I guess maybe it's how they grew up. I, I really wish I could talk to them more about it, but it's not, not going to happen. Um, the, the, um. Yeah, the main thing I was very, I don't know if I was libertarian because I can't find myself on that political description. But if I, if I were to say I was, right, um, it's because I was, I was anti-Catholic but libertarian. It was weird. The, um, like my teacher, he explained, I'm going to show, you can't see me right now, but I'm going to show people the political map and like, you know, the compass where it's like, you know, the, the, the four uh, quadrants, right? And he's just like, yeah, so this is libertarian on the right side and this is, uh, uh, anarchists on the left side right and they're pretty much pr- they're pretty the same but if you know they're really just like folding over the only thing that's dividing them is you know one guy likes society and the other guy doesn't um also one thing i forgot to mention in the beginning of this podcast uh, our our pronouns we should probably say them um yeah guys uh i'm non-binary um i use they them pronouns uh denzel if you want to say that part of yourself yeah sure um i mean i'm cis and i use he him pronouns yeah uh i mean this isn't like i guess in my head i wasn't primed for it because like this is the political podcast but i was like i guess my identity is pretty political but like um i mean we're not gonna truly get into my queerness unless i feel uh funny enough to or like unless it's part of like a bit or a joke honestly unless it's something actually we might get into it with uh (laughs) some of the twitter posts that we see like we have a do we do have a black twitter share kind of thing and there's a lot of queer phobia there, so we might, you know, dig into that a little bit. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, my second, I think the second part of the agenda or the outline, or the outline I wrote up, 
was uh, just how has our week been? But I guess we wanted to go into how's 2020 been overall. But um, where do you want to start with that, Tinzo? Um, I mean, we could start with the week real quick and then go into 2020. Okay. You want to do that? Um, yeah, I mean, my week has been all right. I've just grad school is just a lot. I've been doing midterms for like the past three weeks and I have another one next week. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just really funny. Um, we, the midterm, we, all our midterms have been open note jazz, Mm -hmm. um, like open book, uh, because they're over zoom, but this next one I have next week, we just found out it's going to be closed book. So we have like a a meme little groups. I I like put up this meme that like, it was, uh, I don't know if you've seen the music video for Usher confessions part two jazz. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But like Usher, like it starts off and he's like on the phone. He's like, I'm in the studio. Yeah. And he like the, the girl he's cheating with is like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, it's like, what? wait, what? How you know? And like I put that gif and I was like, when you find out that like the test is going to be closed book. Um, so that's where that's where I'm at, uh, Jazz. But making it through the week. Um, yeah, just making it through the week. Making it we'll, through the week we'll day by day. Like like everybody else, day by day. You know, that's how time works. Um, no, <laughs> that's a Hamilton verse joke. Um, but we don't stand him anymore because he's a landlord now. Uh, let's <laughs> let's. Uh, so like with my week, um, yeah, you know every like okay. So like my week starts off really bad. Uh, every, like because um, I have a class from I have classes from eleven to seven. Uh, it's undergrad it's not too bad um there's not that much engagement other than like teacher sometimes i can just like you know i'll say i'll shut off the camera and i'll just go to my room and play with my cat um but it's honestly a lot of me doing this sitting in this chair and just i had to get a seat cushion because it got really uncomfortable and i was just like wow i really am just doing this um and it's a lot of the same stuff over and over, just listening to lectures and then writing answers in the chat or in a discussion board on our online learning at, or turning. It's not turn it in. It's uh, Canvas. I don't know. Um, but okay, yeah. But um, my week pretty much just goes. It actually goes down from there. So it's like eleven to seven, and then the next day it's like nine to eleven, and then the next day it's like eleven to twelve, and it's like less and less class. Um, I uh, I went to an orientation for this. Uh, program called reading partners i'm going to be helping students on zoom uh become better more efficient readers i think i'll be working with uh like i think third and fourth graders um get them up to the speed with reading um, nice in the in the oakland area i picked specifically the oakland area because you know that's where i grew up and i care about um but um it's pretty frantic because there's less and less people um there's less people involved in programs uh, like this because of COVID and also less like, so the people I saw there, there weren't like, there's a couple students like me, but it's also just a lot of people that seem pretty affluent. They seem like they're able to just spend an hour a day uh, talking to a student on zoom. And they had really had to figure out like how we're going to teach kids to read on zoom, like how we're going to get them involved. And it's going to be very difficult. I can already tell. Yeah. Um, but it's part of a community-based learning um assignment for one of my sociology classes uh i guess i should say that also that i am uh i diversity studies and writing for professionals major that is not two majors i always like to say that it's not two majors it is one with a slash in it in two in the two parts it's diversity studies slash um writing for professionals and do not ask me exactly what it is all right it just sounds like 
I deal with people that are not white, and also I write good. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, I should probably be- find a better definition for that major, though, uh, as soon as possible. Um, but let's talk about like what we actually remember about 2020, because 2020, a lot of stuff happened uh, very quickly, very rapidly, and 2019 didn't. It didn't seem like we got a break. Honestly, I don't feel like we got a break. Like 2019 was pretty. Like what was it 20 in 2019? We had like fires, and then there's like a lot of power shutoffs. That's what I remember. A lot of a lot of power just going out in California. And then what else happened? Um, what happened in 2019 that's like pretty big? That like anything? Uh, I'm I'm trying to think back. It just feels like yeah, sounds... so much has happened in 2020. <laughs> I that know, right? It's kind of hard to remember. <laughs> um, I guess like the beginnings of impeachment, right? Like I think that that kind of came together in late 2019. Yes. Yeah. The, um, the beginnings of impeachment, and then that ended in 2020, right? Yeah, I, I believe died, so. Because um, yeah. I, I just I just went to the twenty I just went to the twenty twenty events so far, um, like the major events. Um, but yeah, we had those fires, those crazy Australian bushfires that like consumed their country for like, you know, weeks. And I remember seeing like, hey, save. Uh, didn't we have like when when was the Brazilian fires? Didn't we have fires in Brazil at one point? There, I'm not sure. I honest, I do remember those, but I don't remember if they were 2019 or. Because I remember it was just like, oh yeah, like these are the lungs of the earth, and like they're dying. And then I remember seeing a meme where it was just like, hey, we're algae. We present. We we produce more oxygen than yeah, like everywhere else because we're mostly in water, and water is like 80 percent of this planet. But I'm not yeah. saying that pl- trees and forests are not important. I'm just saying like, you know, lungs of the earth. Eh. But um. Those are that was really 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 bad. I can I'm seeing a picture of a man carrying a koala that has a bunch of ashes on it. It's really sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle quit the royal family. That happened. Yeah, we're still going through 2020, Jess. Or I'm I'm, I'm at, this is 2020. Yeah, I mean that that happened. There's also like we were about to go to war with Iran. Like there's a lot. That's of... not so. It's funny. That's not on this list. I feel like they're trying to like make. Oh, this is New York Post. That's why. I mean, probably. But um. <laughs> yeah, there is. Oh yeah, I mean New York Post. There, I think they're like kind of conservative. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like we're about to go to war with Iran early in the year. Like there's just so much stuff that even happened like between January to March before we even got like fully into the pandemic. Um. Yeah. And that, that pandemic really like slowly crept up on us. We were just like, it's like, oh shit, and motherfuckers are like, I think was well, it we knew about it in December. I feel like everybody kind of knew about it, but not everybody, everybody. But people were just like, oh yeah, that disease over there will be contained, I guess, right? And then it just didn't. I don't know what we could have done to take it more seriously. I don't think we, I don't think we as people took it very seriously, honestly. Like. I think even myself, I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, like, it's not going to be that bad. <laughs> like, I think I think we're all still going out to do stuff that <laughs> that week before the lockdowns. Um, but, yeah, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And then for some reason, Kobe Bryant died. Um, just died in a helicopter crash. A lot of other things. I, w- I want to look at stuff that's not just tabloid. But 2020... Yeah, I mean, Chadwick Boseman passed away Yikes. as well. I forgot about that. No, I didn't really forget about it, but it was just a lot. Yeah, there's there's a lot. But um, before we keep going with 
the crazy events that happened this year. Um, I, I guess you want to talk about COVID for a little bit and like the political stuff that happened with that. Um, do you have a more focused way of think about that, Jazz, or just like what would you want to talk about? Um, well, it's more. I mean, I guess it, I, I maybe focus in on more policy stuff, but like just the inaction of of our government and like honestly like there's a lot to, to talk about but um i mean i mean we'll, we'll let's let's look at like who we are right we're I, I'm, I'm a student studying um mm-hmm. like sociology basically right sociology and writing and you're you're um you know a public policy person right mm-hmm. so like i guess from your perspective like you know um with COVID 19 things were not handled very well um but like to i guess the dear viewers like why did that exactly happen like you know you, if you could explain that yeah i can like take my best stab at it and obviously i'm, I'm not an epidemiologist yeah. um but i am a public health minor uh but um i think there are a couple of different things i mean i think for one it is key to note that uh, coronavirus is actually like pretty infectious for one. It can linger in the air. It's a respiratory illness. Um, it can be uh, transmitted in different ways. And, you know, uh, uh, the incubation period, I believe, can be from somewhere from like uh, a week to two weeks. There's a lot of there, there are different factors within it, for one, that make it pretty easy to transmit. And also the fact that there can be people who are what we call asymp- asymptomatic, asymptomatic carriers um, who basically means they're not really showing any symptoms, but they can still transmit it. So it's it's hard to contain um, in that way. But um, at the same time, you know, there's still things that, you know, public health officials and, and government can do. Um, I think early on, it became clear that like mask wearing like was pretty effective, although there was also short of, sort of a shortage of masks, um, just because, uh, you know, there's supply chain issues as well. I think a big a big issue is that Didn't, um, um, some, uh, some of our supply chains are disrupted. Yeah, go ahead. California in the beginning, they were just straight up like, yo, we're just going to send out these masks. Like, didn't didn't we do that? Or didn't Gavin Newsom do that? I honestly, I don't know if I remember that. I, Maybe. Wait, hold on. Let me, let me look that up. Because I remember yeah. people just saying like, oh, yeah, you know. what? Also, when did this happen? When California like or Gavin Newsom was just like, yeah, we're like our own nation state. Like, when did that happen? Uh, I... <sighs> I mean, I think that had that happened earlier on, but I would say just working in the policy space for a couple of years, Gavin Newsom, since he came in as governor, like he's definitely been trying to have California. He really wants to be known as the governor that is California on the the leading edge of progressive politics. Right. Like that's that's been his goal. And, you know, because California with the statistics always I don't know if it's the fifth or sixth largest economy, but that that's something like any major California politician will mention, right? Just how, how amazing California is and how strong it is. So I can see him saying, I, I think he said that. A Definitely little while said ago. that. And I got scared. I was just like, are we, <laughs> are, are, are we become like, we, I guess are we, 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 we ready. Like, do we have a, are we <laughs> we're seceding? Just, we're just becoming the NCR. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, I you can see, see the second bear just like, it's like, you know, etched into the, the flag. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I could see us becoming the NCR in a uh, post-apocalyptic state. I feel like we're um, in the post-apocalypse, though. Like, <laughs> we're just, we just are. It just feels comfortable. But, like, you know, okay, I want to yeah. talk about this really quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, 
because of COVID, we're living in our houses by ourselves, and we're having limited activity outside. Like honestly, Denzel, like how often do you outside? It's pretty rare. Yeah. I think I, I mean, I'll go to the grocery store and I'll go for a walk every now and then. And then on occasion, I've done like some socially distanced meetups, but they're they're not too frequent. Yeah. And with that, it's just like people don't see the problem with it, but because I, I think they still go out to go on sit on a patio at a bar and have a meal and i am guilty of that but not because i wanted to do it mainly because i sort of had to um not going to explain exactly what that is but you know we have this false sense of things are fine like i don't, I don't right. know what else to how to but for lack of better it, words, it's know. the dog in the fire meme right it's yeah. like that yellow this dog like this is fine yeah. And I mean, like, just to some numbers, I mean, we've got over 200,000 deaths, you know, all of these cases, like, the US has not done a great job of uh, controlling the pandemic. Particularly with, um, it's like effect on, uh, since this is a black cast, we should talk about it. It's effect on the black community or, you know, black people in this country. Because um, apparently, like, it does target black people more, not target, but like, you know, affects black people more. And I, uh, what uh, were your thoughts on that? And like, yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of different things at play. I mean, one thing is that uh, COVID is it, it is exacerbated by pre-existing conditions, things like diabetes, um, uh, high blood pressure, um, obesity, things like that. And what we know in public health is that there's a, a higher incidence of that in general. This is me generalizing in the Black community. But what I think, you know... I think there's people, people approach that from different ways. And I, I kind of come at it from a public health standpoint, but other folks who are outside of the field might say like, oh, you know, that's individual behavior. You know, if those people shifted their behavior, they would have been less susceptible to this disease or something. But what I think COVID has really shown, and I think some policymakers are seeing is that there are all these existing disparities um, in the kind of in black communities, really, right? Because, you know, I'm, without going into the full history, you know, Black community, black communities, because of redlining, they're heavily segregated. They've been cut off from a lot of economic resources, um, job opportunities, and also many black folks live in food deserts. So it's hard to get access to, um, for one, social mobility, but also healthy food, which kind of, you know, when COVID comes along, this respiratory illness, it, it, it makes you a lot more susceptible if you have some of these pre-existing conditions. So that's one, I think, one thing I would point to, um, to why we've seen some of the death tolls be higher mm -hmm. in communities. I mean, like when you look at some of the states, um, it, it's been pretty crazy in areas with, with really high black populations, um, how much it's it's affected, um, you know, the black community. So would, would point to that as a factor. Um, outside of like, I've heard, I haven't looked at any studies, but I've just like seen anecdotally, I remember that some stories early on were like uh, black women or black folks were going to the hospital and, and complaining about, COVID symptoms, but they weren't taken seriously or told to just to go home and get rest. And then, you know, a couple of days later, they passed away. And what nice. is an issue, what I can speak to is, you know, just the, the yeah. issues uh, Black women experience with maternal mortality, you know, when giving birth, they're just dealing with doctors not listening to them. And that's a big problem and would love to get, a, get more into this later on. But, you know, a big problem is uh, non-Black physicians, especially white physicians, not listening to Black patients. Yeah. And I even remember uh, a paper I read back in the day looking at how, uh, yeah, white physicians were less likely to prescribe black patients uh, opioids 
for various things, including long bone fractures. So it was like, oh, you know, I don't know if that bone's broken. I'm like, you might just be a druggie. And all that just points to like the health disparities that we see. I think people oftentimes they think of them like it's person to person like racism, but it affects our medical schools. It affects, you know, our doctors, all these fields where we think people should be, you know, treated equally. And it's not the case. And that's what I'll say for now. So, um, some things to clarify, because I did look it up. Yeah, um, California or Gavin Newsom ordered a whole bunch of masks. He did try to get, like, more to different states uh, just to support them. Um, we don't talk about that enough, but that's that was a nice thing. Um, <laughs> I think I had something I wanted to ask you, but then I think you were very much... Oh, yeah, the Hong Kong protests! <laughs> I forgot about that. That happened. And that, that went in from 2019 to 2020. That was crazy. Um, and then th- this whole COVID thing made that extremely worse. Uh, but I guess I, I, one last thing I want to talk about with COVID is just like people's belief that it does not exist. I feel like that very much contributed to, you know, its spread, especially in California. Um, because, you know, uh, I'd say a lot more conservative states, right? Like they show like, you know, they still have really high case numbers despite, you know, um, us being in the pandemic for so long and you know them getting more cases and just them not believing that the virus exists that's a thing but then also that happens in california and i was just like well I, I guess i could sort of understand like you know why conservatives would not believe or like you know conservative i'm not saying conservatives i mean like just people right like you know mago red cappers just saying oh yeah trump isn't taking that seriously so i shouldn't and there's this whole conspiracy with keanon with the whole i will we, we could get into that at some point but like, you know, like this is all just like, you know, not a real disease. And that's why they keep happening. But then we have people in California, which I th- we're a pretty strong state and like, yeah, really strong. And I'm just like, and I feel like the people here are pretty smart, but you know, people are still going out. Like it's, I still see on my Instagram story, which bugs the shit out of me. People going out, having part, like going to the club, having parties and like, you know, sharing drinks and no one's wearing masks. And I'm just like, what is happening here? And it's, I, to me, it's more just like, oh, I don't want to believe that it's real because it's going to scare me if it does. Um, and it's really individualistic and it's kind of selfish. Uh, cause I think about my parents and I'm just like, yeah, I, 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 and I'm just like, you know, they interact with, uh, I mean, my mom, she works at, uh, retail. So she has to interact with a lot of people. And, um, even sometimes my father, I mean, like he doesn't go out that much, but he, inside his head, he's just like, he still wants the services that he would have if he were to go out and same with my mom sometimes when ordering food or like, like my dad, he really wants his glasses adjusted. And it's like, we can't only do this at home and we can only do it with the tools that we have here. We're not letting you go to lens crafters and let them touch your face or just to be there because there could be COVID there. For some reason, lens crafters is still open. I'm looking at you, Luxottica. I feel like you could do a whole episode on lens crafters jazz. I mean, we don't, we don't have to go, too in depth on that. I, I think something, uh, something that I would add and just kind of addressing that, I think for one, like, I think a lot of people look to the president, regardless of what party they are, I think they look to the president for national leadership. And I think the fact that Trump, like the federal administration, didn't take this very seriously is really important. Like, I understand, you know, there's a red state, blue state, but I think, I think a lot of people still look to the president for guidance in times of emergency. And we saw like for months, Trump was not wearing a mask. He was holding, you know, briefings and not, uh, 
you know, not like a lot of people on his staff. I've heard he's even yelled at staff for wearing masks. So there's that. Um, there's also, uh, I don't know if you know, Jazz, but like there's like a national, um, like a national storage of different supplies. Like there's a national reserve of fuel mm-hmm. in the United States, but also like ventilators and masks. And Trump was like really slow to mobilize that. And also the the government has power uh, through this like Defense Act to like uh, make private companies kind of manufacture um, you know, things that are necessary in times of crisis. And like, you know, he was really slow to act on that. Um, so I think that affected us. And I think getting to getting to the point, uh, that you were saying earlier, I think there's a lot of, this is a generalization, but there's a lot of individualism in the U S I think looking at some other countries and seeing how quickly the government sprung into action and also how quickly people were willing to be somewhat compliant in like contact tracing regimes and mass compliance. Um, you know, you look at Hong Kong or South Korea or something like that, and it just happened a lot quickly. Now you could also point to, you know, for example, in South Korea, like there's a history of like authoritarianism in the government, which might make people a bit more compliant. I'm not sure, but, um, and you know, it's, it's tougher to do like, Americans love individual liberty and like libertarianism. So I've, I've seen so many people say like, you know, the mask infringed my liberty, but um, that's a big problem. And I think also because we, we live in a federalist system, you know, there's so much discretion that states have, mm-hmm. right? Like the federal government can't do everything. The states can kind of uh, pick and choose and that depends on the government. And that's why we've seen a lot of variability um, in the COVID response as well. Okay, we can we can stop talking about COVID because it's a it's a pretty um, it's a pretty like I don't know it it makes it definitely makes me sad and definitely makes me uh, upset and it definitely makes me um, a little anxious sometimes. I think about like people that I care about. I think about my girlfriend like she she you know she works um, around a lot of people. Still wears masks, but at the same time still has to work. Um, and I still think of like people around her that you know might not be taking this stuff seriously and then just spreading covid everywhere and just not like wearing masks at work but just not doing it anywhere else and not staying socially distant well like i still think about people even sometimes i drive by uh, this gym near our, uh near her place and there's people just outside like with barbells just like working out outside the gym um and they're not really six feet apart and they're all just like working out and sweating and breathing on each other and i'm just like what is happening? You can do that at home. Also, is that is, is that equipment from the to indoors? Did the guy really roll it out just so you guys work out and just justify your uh, subscription? Um, but we're not gonna keep going on about it. It's just my little rant because it makes me upset. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I I feel you. I'm in a similar boat, Jazz. I, I think a lot about my parents and how vulnerable they are. So I'm in the same boat. But at the same time, there's uh, I know people love talking about retributive karma. I think people might have forgotten that. I um, hopefully they didn't forget because sometimes sometimes Trump does things and people like forget like you know the next week. Um, but he definitely uh, definitely caught COVID, <laughs> and that was hilarious for a bit. And people were trying to say no, it's not hilarious. You know, people should die. And it's just like yeah, but guys, he. <sighs> I mean, we could do an episode of retributive karma or just like justice right or like you know um we could do we can do one on those but that's i don't understand like you know doing the whole weekend at bernie's thing trying to make sure that he looks like he's um he's like he looks like he's healthy and strong and he's like wincing in pain as he breathes um 
but um let's let's go into uh i want to talk a little bit about the debates um and how the election seems like it's shaping up it seems like we're not going to have another debate right because of uh trump's covid situation and stuff like that that's why i brought it up in the first place right uh yeah it seems like that might be unlikely given how close that we are to the election and everything um things about the debates that i wanted to talk about i mean i i mean i just wanted like you know if you want to give your critiques yeah, something that I saw um, or I heard a lot from a lot of people um, about the VP debate, because people don't really listen to those, honestly. I don't think people care too much. I think people do now because of because uh, I think Kamala Harris is pretty popular. Uh, Mike Pence. I don't think people care about Mike Pence. Like, I, I, I think, like, if I think about when I say people, I think about, like, my sister. Um, I think she cares about Kamala Harris, right? She's like, oh, yeah, black woman in politics is going to become the vice president. Awesome. Uh, I don't think she cares about Mike Pence or cares about like what he says. Um, but uh, something that they both did for the, de- in the debate um, from what I saw was that they were able to clearly identify and like communicate um, their policies and where they stand um, and how they differentiate themselves from, and, and they're able to better communicate than um, Biden and Trump. Um, but what were your critiques on, I guess, um, I guess both of the candidates? Um, between Biden and Trump or, or Kamala and We can start Pence. with Biden and Trump. How about that? Um, you know, so Jazz to, and, and, uh, this is for, for the listeners, I, I actually didn't really, uh, I've seen clips from the debates and I've, I've read about them and listened to podcasts, but I, I didn't like directly view the debates. So I've just kind of seen, um, a lot of what's come out of it. Um, you know, from my understanding, uh, apparently Biden was really, uh, he's getting talked over a lot by Trump and he, he found it harder to, to stand up for himself. Um, you know, I think you could probably say, and even looking back to some of the primaries, like, you know, Biden's definitely probably lost a step, uh, since, you know, back when he was running, um, back in the day and, and when he was in the Senate. Um, and I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't know what political to say. If, if Biden's ever been a great order, like obviously like people think Obama is probably one of the best orders of all time. And I don't think of that when I think of Joe Biden. Um, so it's it's probably a weakness there. Um, I mean, Trump is he he's he's always Trump. Like he will he will lie to you. His administration will lie to you. I think both Pence and Trump have been lying about how they want to like protect pre-existing conditions. But like the Republicans are trying to, um, they're literally trying to like repeal the ACA right now. Which um, and like they they are literally trying to strip healthcare from people. Like and I I I think like that can't be said enough. It's not like oh you know they'll try to like Republicans have no plan. They just want to take people's healthcare, right? And so anytime Republicans even mention like something about healthcare, it's like yeah they're 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 lying. But it's like like Trump is he he can just lie to your face because his base is always going to be there. And you know there's some ambiguity um in what people know about policy. So you know both Trump and Pence. Um, do that um, and I, I know you want to talk about this jazz and this is less okay maybe it's partially with the candidates but I think it's also with people like apparently 
there was a fly that landed on Pence's. Uh, let's 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 wait till we talk about the VPs to talk about the damn. Fly. Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. What? But, what I did want to say something yeah. about go ahead, go um, ahead. healthcare and ACA and Trump and everything. So remember when the ACA was first pulled out, right? Everybody was calling it Obamacare out of nowhere. We, we we still like. I'm glad you said ACA instead of or Affordable Care Act, dear viewers. The reason why you probably have healthcare right now. Yeah, because I know a lot of you work retail, and you do not get benefits, especially ones that right. work for the uh, corporation Luxottica, unless you are working, you know, thirty plus hours. I'm looking straight at the camera and <laughs> saying <laughs> this uh, anti-Luxottica propaganda. But um, I remember because I yeah, you still watch the Daily Show, but like you know when they were first rolling out the ACA, they're just like. They're like, oh, how do you care about Obama? Like, they went up to conservatives, and they're just like, how do you feel about Obamacare? And it's like, oh, I fucking hate it. And then, um, but then uh, they're like, how do you feel about the ACA? It's like, oh, yeah, it's really, really helpful. You know, I got a lot of back and heart conditions, and I really need uh, health care to help me out. And I think it's really going to help out. And I wish we can come to agreements on this sort of thing. So a lot of those conservatives, like, were very for the ACA because, you know, a lot of them were poor. Um, a lot of conservatives, like, I mean, just people in America, uh, people in general are poor and they can't get access to healthcare, and our healthcare system really sucks. Um, what I wanted to really get at was that how has that really changed, like socially, culturally, I guess, I mean, even politically amongst like Trump's, not even Trump's base, but just like conservatives in general. Like a lot of them were fr- pretty for it or they wanted something, a good deal out of it. Like I'm talking about the, the, the lay person that like gets benefits, right? Um, but now they're like, are they brainwashed to be super against it or what's, what's, what, what do you think has happened? You know, jazz and, and, you know, you feel free to, to call me on time. Like I could talk about this for hours. Like this is, it's Let's, like a really, I'll give you, how about this? I'll give you maybe five minutes to talk about a little bit of what you think. Try to sum it up as okay. best possible. Okay. So just like, I, I think what you're saying, right? Like Jimmy Kimmel did a thing as well. Similar. Like he's like, what do you think about the ACA versus Obamacare? It's like the same thing. And people are like, oh, I support the ACA and not Obamacare. Um, The politics around the ACA, I think Republicans were very unified in opposing it back when Obama was working to pass it in 2010, right? But Obama really wanted, and the Democrats wanted to get bipartisan support. Like they wanted to get some Republicans on board to reform healthcare. They had all this momentum. And even some of the uh, Republicans were like, yeah, we're willing to work with the president on this bill. But like, Basically, the Republicans, it, no, not a single Republican voted for the ACA in um, 2010, Jazz. They voted for Obamacare. Um, and so, you know, that was a hindrance. It became super political. Um, you know, you fast forward a couple of years. And in 2014, when they came out with the, uh, the marketplaces, which are in basically like in California, we call it Cover California. But like the websites were messy. The rollout was a little, oh, um, it, it, it was so-so, you know, links were crashing and um, all, all of these things. Right. And so, uh, I think there's a lot of political ill will towards it. You know, the tea party was swept into power. Um, a lot of really right-wing Republicans, because I think both Obama and also the ACA. Now I have a lot of thoughts about the tea party because like, you you know, they're supposedly about like, you know, they care so much about deficits, but the deficit actually decreased under Obama and it generally decreases under democratic administrations and it's skyrocketed under Trump, right? Because Trump passed this big, huge fat tax cut that was like a handout to the wealthy. Um, but I'm not going to go too much into that. Um, you know, maybe the tea parties didn't care about deficits. Maybe they cared about a black president, but whatever. Um, 
so that's what happened. But what's so interesting about the politics of the ACA jazz, so what was included within that, and there are a couple of provisions that are really popular in it. I think that the, the couple that are most popular are staying on your parents' health plan um, until you're age 26, mm-hmm. like, which has benefited me. I can talk about that. Um, so staying on your parents' health plan until you're 26, protection for people with pre-existing conditions, because oftentimes before the ACA, um, health insurance companies would exclude people who had you know, pre-existing condition, and that could be very variable. Um, so that's been very popular. And Republicans talk about that all the time. They're like, oh, I want to protect your pre-existing conditions. But, you know, they're they're basically lying, yeah. right? Because they're trying to repeal the ACA. And uh, the last part is like Medicaid expansion, I would say. And, um, you know, within the health policy space, I think there are different views of Medicaid. Like, I don't want to go too into the weeds of it, but people will say like, oh, you know, Medicaid isn't as good as Medicare. And just a quick and dirty. So Medicare for the, for the dear listeners is... Um, it's a health insurance program that people pay into while they work their whole lives. And then you get it once you turn age. Um, well, it's not necess- like you basically get it um, once you're a senior and, you, and you've worked for, for long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you get Medicare and it's considered pretty good coverage. It doesn't cover everything. Medicaid um, is a health insurance program for low income people. And um, uh, yeah, it's basically health insurance for like low income disabled folks. Um, but Medicaid, there's a lot of things that people don't know. So, for example, 45% of births in the United States jazz um, are supported in some way by Medicaid funding. Um, so Medicaid benefits a lot of people. The ACA expanded Medicaid. It increased the threshold for how poor you could be, essentially like the federal poverty threshold for receiving Medicaid. And it also expanded it to adults without children mm-hmm. um, in different ways. The thing was the Supreme Court ruled that Medicaid expansion wasn't mandatory that states could pick and choose. So what we have is we have this patchwork system in the US, like some states have expanded Medicaid, some have done like these partial expansions and like, you know, some some just have have not expanded Medicaid because of like conservative opposition. But what we've seen is that a lot of folks who hated the ACA are like, we're super against it. Like now that they've gotten these these benefits, these programs, especially like they've gotten Medicaid, they're like, oh shit, this is actually kind of nice. Like I like these public programs, like they, they benefit me. And so what we've seen that's really fascinating is in states like Utah, um, you know, and, and some other conservative states that like they've actually expanded Medicaid in recent years, even though they have like this solid, you know, Republican control. So I think the politics of like healthcare are changing a little bit. I think um, in terms of salience, like a lot of voters, regardless of their background, they actually trust Democrats more with healthcare because mm-hmm. they feel like regardless of if you're a Bernie Sanders or, you know, a Biden or whatever, you're at least trying in some way to expand healthcare access, whereas like they don't really trust Republicans. So all that is to say, I think the politics are really interesting. I think um, uh, the Affordable Care Act, I think, lost the Democrats control of Congress in the Obama administration. But I actually think that in 2018, the reason the Democrats kind of swept in in this blue wave and and won in 2018 in large part was due to the fact that Republicans were trying so hard to repeal the Affordable Care Act and that people really like um, Medicaid and their expanded health care. So that's I could go further into that, but I think that's that's what I think happened. And I want to add an anecdote to explain why the Affordable Care Act is so helpful to um, people. So because a lot of people, I don't think they understand how difficult this is. Like, you know, it's not even just like, you know, being able to afford cancer treatments or like to afford, um, I don't know, maybe dialysis or something like that. You know, like it's not just like like it's it's hard to explain to people how uh, how like dire we need of healthcare because a lot of people sometimes I think before Affordable Care Act or before 
a lot of people were complaining about it because like I was like, oh, I have to sign up for this because I don't even need it. I don't even go to the doctor, and I like you know, I have a cold once a year maybe, but so like you know they don't really give a shit about it, right? Um, but there's people like me, right? This is the anecdote I want to bring up. Was just like I pay, so I, I mean I pay a little bit a month for Kaiser treatment, but I really or Kaiser Kaiser uh, healthcare insurance, but. Um, I really, um, need it just for my, uh, epilepsy medication. So like, that's something that I could super die of. And if I wasn't getting these pills every day, I would probably have maybe a seizure every month. And it's great that I don't. And it's just, and the medication, I want you to understand, I'm talking to the viewers here, that it costs a lot. One bottle, which was, I think, yeah, one bottle, which was like a one month supply was is three hundred dollars actually no four hundred dollars that's an insane amount of money when i didn't have health care i was like oh wow this is bad um and this is wasn't because like i think my meta my medical like went out and i had to like find new health care to help me pay for it i had to go through the um cover california shitty website and i got really mad about that I, at first i was like man i fucking hate killer california i hate i hate the aca this is all bullshit south park was right this website sucks and um uh but i found that like you know paying 75 a month wasn't that bad and it was okay uh like i pretty much get my medication for free now since they like change they changed my tier it's it's a whole bunch of things but like instead of paying 400 dollars or 1200 because i have to get in a three-month supply right so that's it's twelve hundred dollars for three months of medication that keeps me from having seizures um and i pay nothing and because it's covered through my the um the cover california like silver tier i think it was gold tier before and um you know they keep like this is just for people to understand like you know you we need to take this stuff more seriously because it's not just about uh, i liked I, I i really want people to understand like and i'm like be more empathetic because there's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff that you like i might look like i'm just fine but i care about healthcare not just because of, of me but because there's people like me who really benefit from it and i feel like people need to become more empathetic because i think they a lot of people just like i'm talking about the lay people like lay person that works at lens crafters or like you know retail workers they're just like yeah you know like i'm i'm okay i didn't break my foot yet so i don't really need healthcare. and it's just like it's not about you it's about everybody and everybody has different things going on and you might get break your foot and you won't have health care and you won't get the treatment you need. Um, but that's just my little rant about health care for a sec. Thank you, Denzel, for talking a bit about the ACA yeah. because it's important. It's really, really important. And and just I'll be quick with this, Jazz, and I think that th thanks for sharing your story. And I think that is um, those stories are so important because, you know, I'm going to get into my big like general liberal thing but it's like i think something that can bring people together is is you know understanding hardship and having that empathy for people who struggle and um you know i think that's why parts of the aca are popular and here's just like my political note that i like would say to any democratic strategist is like when democrats because again i think i think the only party that actually wants to govern or cares about governance and not just giving people tax cuts is the democrats mm -hmm. but um like when you talk about making material concrete improvements in people's lives jazz like like you said like how you were able to purchase your life-saving medication like that's that's what people people care about that stuff right yeah. like that's what what gets people politically engaged and what motivates them you know it's once you give people something it's harder to take it away from them so that's why people are so fed up 
about the ACA and, and people wanting to repeal it. So it's super important. And I think that like that's what Biden needs to do. Like Biden and I, I'm looking on his website right now, like he, he talks <laughs> about wanting to expand the ACA and I'm looking at some of his provisions. But like that's what you got to do, like no matter what opposition that you face, like, uh, you know, you can try to work with Republicans a little bit, but like like you, you need those concrete improvements in people's health and the, their well-being. And that's how you you build support and engagement. So that that's it. That's my rant. Um, what I want to get into now is sort of like, uh, would you say that both of us are pretty tired when it comes to selection? Like, you know, like neither of our like, you know, candidates that we were really pulling for, like, you know, they didn't become the candidate, like they didn't become the like the Democratic candidate um because i was pushing for bernie you were pushing for warren you're okay with yeah like and it's uh and we're just sort of settling right we're kind of just settling for what we have and it's and we're, we're all very very tired um and you know like you know i you see, you see on my twitter i share a lot of things where it's just like it's very it's very anti-biden it's also very anti-kamala and uh i want to get into like what i wanted to get into is just like explaining like why i'm still fed up and people are upset that i share those things like people that i'm close to are set up are sort of upset that i'm sharing those things but it's like it's like you know guys i'm upset uh i'm still gonna vote <laughs> i'm not stupid but um it's just like you know i'm i can still be frustrated it's not like i want trump to be you know our president next uh next year or um you know i don't want him to win it's just that you know we should be critical and um the reason why i want to be criticized the debate and and like you know our candidates right now because instead of just trump by himself because we already we can already we can do that for days or we can do that for 20 minutes it doesn't really matter uh but like you know i think we should be at least you know don't be diehard like fans of biden because and not look at like you know his past record or kamala for that matter honestly I think a lot of people when she came out as like, you know, the president, um, like next presidential candidate or like a nominee, uh, I said nominee, uh, but like people were just kind of just like, oh yeah, uh, like Kamala, she's a black woman and she's, uh, and she's like, you know, a Democrat and I'm going to vote for her. And it was more just like, I think you guys are going for looks more than looking at her past record. And for me, it's personal because it's just like, oh yeah, she's like a transphobe. And she also put like, she really attacked like poor people and people that couldn't send their kids to school or like couldn't, it, it, it's really messed up. Like my dad, honestly, he was very much critical of her when she first started coming out. And there's a lot of dirt that was brought up about, and I was, I, I, I was not looking into it as much um, because he was very much on the whole, oh, she's not a black woman, even though she's claiming to be. And I was just like, what are you talking about that? And it's like, well, she, you know, she's, you know, putting kids into or putting parents into prison because there's uh, their kids truancy and like uh, I remember the transphobic stuff and I was just like, oh, OK, but uh, I'm still not with him on the whole. Is she a black woman or not? Sort of debate. Uh, I would at some point I would want maybe on our biracial identity uh, podcast or episode. We'll talk about that. But because that's something interesting. But um, I just want I just want I wish people would be more critical or more understanding of where I, I stand on like looking at uh, the candidates or the Democratic candidates like, or Biden and Kamala. It's just like, yeah, uh, Biden has a record of just not being great to women. And he's also kind of weird. He says weird things to black people every once in a while. Like, 
uh, you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Like he literally said that twice. Like he said it twice. He like he he said it to a bunch of black people in a church, and they asked him, "Hey, why did you say that?" Because and he said, "Oh, because you ain't if you don't vote for me." It's just like, what's happening? Um, before before I give you a chance to talk a bit, Denzel, there is there's a lot of critique about Bernie about his age and how old he looked, right? People are like, oh, he's too old. He's going to die before he becomes, like, president or something like that, right? Or he's going to die while he's president. He is 79. How old is Biden? Do you know? Uh, he's, like, 70-something. He's so 77. Trump. I don't know their exact age. 77. Yeah. <laughs> it's two years. And that guy can barely string a sentence along pretty normally. And, like, he can barely uh, approach black people after the George Floyd. And, oh, we should talk about George Floyd. George Floyd, um killing he can barely like talk in a way that seems like he's empathetic or sympathetic at all you know he said hey instead of shooting them in the head or the back why don't you shoot them in the legs and people just sweep that in the rug and it's like oh no he didn't say that let's just ignore that uh it's just more of my frustrations with it and so like people are just i guess people are, are are just willing to just forget about these kind of things when we should still be critical of our um like you know it's it's either you it's either you know you're a diehard like biden fan or you're just someone who wants trump in a lot of people a lot of people's head for some reason right I, i'm like i'm not in the middle i'm more leaning towards biden of course but it's just like i'm so critical of him because and you know uh and kamala because of their records but if you want to speak something onto that yeah, I mean, I have my thoughts, I, Jazz. I, I always have my thoughts, but I and I, I 100% see where you're coming from. Um, you know, something I say about Biden is that he's just been in politics for so long. And, you know, he, he uh, um, you know, when he was a senator, you know, Biden was against busing. And, you know, people will make arguments. It's like, yeah, he was, but like, that's what his constituents wanted. Like, that's why he was, he was working to get elected. Like, he was against busing. He was you know, fighting against that specific form of, um, of um, integration. Um, and so like, he's just, he's been around for a long time. And I think that's like, why he, um, why he has um, those perspectives. Um, and he's shifted, like, I, I think Biden has shifted a bit. He's, he's always kind of been at the center of whatever the Democratic Party was, which like, in the 90s meant like he was supporting the crime bill. And you know, he's he's kind of walked back um, some of his support now. Um, but uh, what was I going to say about this? I think like with the Biden or like Kamala support, like here's a, I, I have thoughts about both sides. Like I think on the one side, I see like people who are either Biden stands or just in general, like really concerned about Trump. And I get it. Like I'm super concerned about Trump. I think as as each day goes on, like I'm so concerned about like Trump state of like u.s democracy and just like you know power grabs and things like that like i have a lot of concerns mm -hmm. but i think like also like there's a lot of shaming that people in the center or center left like try to do to folks who are like super leftist and um it's just like i think like just as a practical thing i'm like yeah like shame super effective it's like yeah you can shame someone and they'll be like all right whatever screw you <laughs> like it's just like you know you're you gotta you have to be I think the better stance is try to kind of a little bit like the conversation that we had earlier, like work to affirmatively talk about like some of the ways in which Biden um, 
will support people and have debates about those policy issues. Like, right, like Biden actually does want, he has some ideas. And I think, uh, you know, I shared that podcast with you earlier, like some of his ideas, like, you know, would benefit people like, you know, strengthening the ACA, creating a public option, like that's going to expand healthcare coverage and it's, it's going to save lives. And, you know, I think that's something that's a little bit harder to contest than just being like vote Biden or, you know, are you a Trump supporter? And like, things like that. I don't think that type of communication style is as effective. Now I would say on the other side, which might get me critiqued, but like, I would say like, I've seen posts from people who are super or like pretty left that like, you know, Biden and Trump are exactly the same. I don't, I I don't actually agree with that, that like, you know, like basically it's fascism either way. And it's like, I, I realize like that, you know, institutions are discriminatory, right? Like the criminal justice system at all states is biased at, at all, all levels is biased. Biden supported the crime bill in the past and like all of this. But like, I actually do think that like, you know, Biden doesn't want to like jail his political opponents for talking bad about him like Trump does. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like it, it's like all of these these different things. And it's like, you know, Biden, I don't think he's going to be super progressive on immigration, but like I don't think he's going to have some of the cruelty that the Trump uh, White House has had, like in regards to things that we've seen, like with regards to public charge rule, uh, like public charge ruling and, and things like that. Um, so I think a lot of the callousness of the Trump administration and just like some of the outright contempt, like democracy and like the rule of law, like will not be present in the Biden administration. And I really do think that. And I think that's a hard line I got to draw. Like when I see people saying like, oh, they'll be exactly the same. So like, I don't care. It's like, yeah. No, I, I don't I don't agree with that. Um, I, think, so I, would say. I think it comes from honestly, this is where I was at at a point at a certain point where it's just like the reason why I wanted like people like I know that's from Bernie supporters, honestly. I know it's from Bernie supporters that saying that kind of crazy shit um, that you were you were describing, like you know whether it's like Biden and Trump, it doesn't matter, right. But a lot of people are just upset that we're not getting our Bernie because our Bernie was going to, you know, tax the shit out of fucking tax shit out of the rich uh, supposedly right um that's what we all really wanted to support and we were gonna get like you know just we i mean the idea in our heads was like oh yeah just a structural reformation like you know fundamental restructuring of like this country through taxes uh, towards the rich and like you know the wealth gap is going to like shrink even more and we're just going to see prosperity amongst all of us we're all going to have pools in our backyards and um I mean, this is this is the socialist like sort of like you know theory that we all had in our in our in our minds of like what the world would look at, and it's just a callousness that we all grown because um, we don't really see the difference between the two sometimes because I mean, I mean honestly, I'm I'm gonna say it right now they they both seem like idiots. I mean, Trump Trump is like viciously like a uh, like a fascist like he just is. Uh, Biden just seems like kind of a loopy. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to describe him. He's just like a loopy old man. That's how, that's how I'd like really describe him. Um, what I did want to speak on next was um, sort of, uh, I guess, how do you think? So I want to talk about, because like George Floyd was a big thing in uh, 2020, because that the protests are still happening. People are not like, you know, the media is not covering it anymore. They, I think they stopped after a month because uh, they were getting shot at by police. I'm talking about the like news people. They're getting shot at by the police. Remember that? Remember that news? Remember you you pulled out because you were scared. Um, but a lot of what we understood about what was happening, right, was happening on Twitter, right? Remember this? I remember this guy with a sword, a white guy with a sword, attacking black kids, and him getting stomped out. 
Um, but there's a lot of like crazy things happening, and it was uh, the protests went on for so, are still going on for so long, and it it's not it's not tiresome. I didn't go out, but it's um, I just want to know what you think of everybody's. I'm talking about the candidates' uh, reactions to it. I mean, we already know about Trump's, like he's. I, I, on the debate stage, he basically would not denounce white supremacy. Like, because that's so telling and kind of hilarious, but also not shocking whatsoever, right? It's just like, oh, yeah. Uh, what do you say? Stand down and stand by? Yeah, that yeah. Like, stand, stand down, stand by. Yeah, that I remember. That is frightening. Um, Pence, of course, he didn't say anything like that. Um, what? I mean, I guess... Uh, we didn't hear that much about police brutality. I know that Kamala was basically just like, oh, no, I'm going to tell them they, they can't do that. And I was just like, did you, were you, were you going to, were you going to, like, see to that them, like, you know, police that shoot people like George Floyd, you're going to see that they uh, actually get justice or here we, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, like, uh, we get the whole, like, no with a heart emoji i feel like that's what i get from kamala that's the vibes i get you know just no but like she still sends us her thoughts and prayers um i mean i mean since this is the black cast i want to talk about police brutality a bit but like i mean how is this how do you think um do you think any we're gonna get anything from biden or kamala through uh, on police brutality like honestly like do you actually think there's any hope in that so I have um, what's coming into my mind here, Jazz, and I think I see what you're saying is that like at time you perceive like kind of an indifference from the Biden camp or yeah. just like a, there's there maybe there's a bit of care, but it's it's misplaced or you don't think there's going to be anything. And I, I get that. Um, what I would say, I have a couple of thoughts like, um, you know, I think Biden has said he doesn't want to defund the police, but he does want to, you know, have there's some reforms that he wants to push. I haven't seen his specific like criminal justice plan, so I'd have to review that. Um, and, you know, like Kamala is, uh, you know, she her record as a as a prosecutor is, is critiqued. But like actually when she was in the Senate, she had a pretty progressive voting record. Um, and so, like, I can see her being willing to, to push the administration and do some changes. But I think the key thing that can get lost sometimes and in these conversations specifically with the issue of policing is that as much as like federal rhetoric does matter and there's some things the yeah. president can do right like obama uh had eric holder eric holder who was attorney general like really go after local police departments like he investigated in ferguson and all these like they were they're doing these things called consent degrees to try to improve the department so i think obama did have some efforts like for police reform and accountability but this is a state and local issue it's really a local issue yeah, yeah, yeah. like like which the president say matters, but like what what really matters, like and this is to the listeners, like what does your mayor think? Like what's your mayor and city council think, and what's your governor thinks are probably the most like instrumental things for police reform because that's where like the budgets are, and you know there there's there's tinkering you can do around the edges at the federal level, but like it's such a state and local issue, and I think sometimes that get that gets lost because our politics are so nationalized. Yeah. Um, but I I think they will they will do some things. Um, I think they'll do some things, but I think I, I just really encourage people to kind of like look at and get involved in the local advocacy. Like if you can try to there are there are projects throughout the country like working to get like uh, police budgets like reduced or cut um, uh, in city councils. 
So, yeah, um, especially in, um, was it San Francisco? Like, I know they're trying to do, yeah. like, that's the biggest example I can think of. I have two examples. We have, and there's the anti police, uh, I think anti police terror project in Oakland as well. They've been doing some, okay, work, okay. but yeah. But the idea basically is to just have social workers do the jobs that cops would usually do instead of, you know, having send, sending cops with guns to deal with social working issues like i mean when i say social working issues, i mean like you know domestic violence or like you know domestic disputes um maybe if there was a bad check right or a bad 20 or a fake 20 bill you wouldn't send a cop with a gun to deal with it you'd send a guy in to like see what's up with this or find the dude right or like you know like there's a lot of things like people are afraid of that idea they're just like uh i remember talking to a lot of people they uh don't like the idea of like not having cops with guns around because it makes them feel safe but it's just like in my experience it doesn't make them feel safe at all right um what i wanted to get at with that was um i should i should take notes when i'm like talking honestly because it's sometimes i like i lose track of stuff the uh the cops are bad d a cab (laughs) all cops are bad the um when it comes to police brutality i mean like what could they do on a federal level um to i mean not just seek justice but to prevent this stuff from even happening like what do you think they could do you know i think there are a couple of different things they can do i think they can pursue some of the obama strategy right like whoever is the attorney general can be really aggressive with, um, you know, federal like Department of Justice investigations into civil rights violations and just like police departments that are acting badly. And they can enter into these consent decrees is what they're called with mm-hmm. local departments to, to fix their shit, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a good step. That's a proactive step. Um, you know, they can push for some legislation. For one, I think also like reducing the militarization of police. Like I think what we saw in the past with a lot of like the law and order administrations like Nixon and Reagan, we saw increased cooperation between the federal government, like basically selling like excess military equipment or just giving away like excess military equipment to local departments. That's why you see like these police departments with like armored personnel carriers and like all of this tactical gear and, and shit, right? Um, that, you know, just looks super heavily mil- militarized on the streets of, you know, the country. Um, uh so yeah like i think like reducing the militarization of police um consent decrees are another thing and then i'm not sure like i'm not a legal expert but like basically finding a way to change qualified immunity and i don't know if that needs to happen at the supreme court but like basically like government employees kind of have this protection through qualified immunity where like they have a protection and essentially like if if um it kind of benefits them because it's sometimes like if there wasn't a prior ruling that met the exact circumstances of the violation like it's harder to prosecute the state employee i'm i'm, I'm not fully describing this correctly but that's like kind of it and it makes it harder to to prosecute cops so um i think that's another thing that needs to be looked at there there definitely are some some things you can do on the margins um to reform police and some guidance and but then also from there like it's really up to like state legislatures and, and city councils and mayors to to fix the rest because what I'd, I'd like to see is just, like, I mean, my stance on um, my stance on gun control has been waning through the years. Like, at 
one point I was just like, oh no, you should have your gun. It has nothing to do with the person. It has to do with the person that's shooting. Make sure that person gets help. And then it went from, uh, and then it went from, oh no, we shouldn't have guns at all. And then I went to, oh no, liberate the proletariat. Like let's let's like, <laughs> like that's actually where I am at the moment. But I'd also like since I'm not gonna get that right, I have to settle for maybe the federal government putting in some sort of law to just make sure ex-military weapons and surplus doesn't get into the hands of the police or just can't be bought and sold like that but like you know, you know what i mean like how do they like how are they actually getting this stuff like is it just like the military just going oh here you go or is it like a third party in terms of the exact mechanism like i think somehow I, i'm not exactly sure but i think like the like excess military equipment it, it can be like donated or provided to <sighs> like local departments yeah. like somehow there's like some connection between like this the surplus or like um like the surplus equipment is is going to like state and local governments like police departments um yeah so you can you can definitely interfere with that um you know something i would also j say jazz is that and this is why in terms of policing this is something i do think about and i think we've talked about this before is there are a lot of guns in the u.s yeah. uh dude there's just like a lot of guns um, and that's why, like, I think I've evolved on gun control. I used to be like, no one should have any guns ever. You don't need any guns. And now I'm kind of like, you know, you know, I guess people can have guns, but like, let's regulate it a lot yes. because I'm like, um, I think they're like more guns than people in the U S and like, a, it's like a lot of people just own, like, it's a small amount of people who just own a shitload of guns. Um, but like, you know, guns circulate. And basically all that is to say is that like, I think we do have to find a way to like regulate because, you know, police so when like police officers what you often hear them argue is like oh it's it's like a really dangerous position now actually like being in law enforcement it's not within the top 10 uh, most dangerous jobs in the u.s i think it's like in the top 15 but it's not in the top 10 but i do think there is some argument that like there are a lot of folks with guns out there and you know you can get a gun and like shoot something up like and i would say at least i don't think we're at the point where like community militias would want to respond to mass shootings like i think like people would want people who want to assume that risk to go and stop that or whatever. And, and basically what I'm saying is that like, we got to find a way to like have some gun control to just to make us society safer. Like we need anti-violence programs as well, which don't have to be through the police. Like yeah. I think anti-violence, like community anti-violence programs are really important. And we need to like find a way to regulate guns because yeah, we just need like a safer country. And, and I'm someone who like believes that like, we can we can start moving away from viewing safety like through a law enforcement lens and like finding ways to like really enforce like a community vision um of safety um yeah then we can that that's it might be another topic but like we need to find a way to like move towards like community safety and also like reduce violence we should do it uh, the u.s is um, we should do a country with how much violence we, we should do like an episode yeah. on like uh like our views on gun control in general and like why they change so much um mainly because like i don't uh, honestly my thing with gun control i think in the back of my head has always been a fear of like of white supremacy i'm just like these white people can come to my house and kill me whenever they want to they could just do it i need a gun to make sure that they know that don't not to fuck with me or at least defend myself um but we can make that a whole other um thing at some point um what i also want to remember is remember the Chaz, the um capitol hill autonomous zone where that happened yeah 
I, I just want to bring that up because uh, I think that was that the only instance of something happening like that in the autonomous zone, or was that like? Well, so someone got killed, right? Like, wasn't there some violence there? And I remember, so a lot of mixed things happened with the autonomous zone. The reason I'm bringing it up is because you know we have the we have the safe California nice reformation plans to um, change how policing works, right? And then we have the Chaz, right? Which is this super extreme version, right? The anarchistic right. view of just right, like right, right. destabilize it until they fix shit, right? Um, yeah. And um, like, honestly, like we see, like, I mean, what that, I feel like what that shows us is like, you know, America's really willing to just like, or at this time, we're pretty much willing to like, uh, we're almost willing to revolt. I mean, like we see, but but what we ultimately want is change. Um, I mean, I think there's still people that, for some reason, it's very frustrating, right? Or st- stuff like George Floyd would happen, right? They see, but they um they don't they don't care that the man is you know getting his his like you know neck crushed uh, by a police officer and then he can't breathe, right? They see the violence and the targets being destroyed, right? Despite uh, the CEO of Target going, I don't care. <laughs> protest um but there's still people at even at this time are still upset I, I don't know what it is some people are still upset about the the protests and the violence they see in the riots and not the uh, right and and not the man literally dying and that's what caused this it's like oh we shouldn't cry over right. death and, blah, blah, blah. and it's just like people shouldn't die like this like right even if he let's say he broke the law with a t- fake 20 he doesn't deserve to die. And also, we definitely shouldn't have had these huge rights and we shouldn't have destroyed local businesses and we shouldn't have and we shouldn't have destroyed the Target. I mean, I don't really care for Target, but I mean, like, it would be nice for that not to happen, right? But, right. like, it all happened because a officer killed a guy. Um, I guess... Yeah, it's I'm like, just, maybe, yeah, maybe summary... Like, maybe the summary execution... Uh, for like having a counterfeit 20 like maybe that's just not the best for democracy i don't know it's just kind of like maybe the state shouldn't be able to summarily execute me because they feel like it and then like it's just fine like i I don't know like some people like they don't say that but they're kind of cool with that right it's just like you know it might not happen too much but uh you know every now and then you know the state summarily executes someone you know kind of bada boom bada bang (laughs) like that's kind of how it's it's some people it's a weird thing i feel like i don't know um what what it sucks is like you know for a lot of people i'll say there's one person i talked to about it and he didn't care because like you know his cousin was in the police force and um and he lived in a place where there's not much violence and he really only sees i guess he, he doesn't really have the much uh um well how would i say it experience around black people and their struggles and like our, our, our struggles really and uh he doesn't see the problems um very much and even after all this stuff happens he really only cares about the big violence and the big riots and the burning targets that's what and it's in like and and another side of it is that the cops have a huge like they care more uh, what's fucked up is they care more about these cops and their positions and their jobs and them not getting hated on for this and it's just like the cop is gonna be fine like yeah he'll he'll serve some time in prison maybe then he'll get out and then they'll probably give him like a nice cushy um like um, I, I don't know how to say a severance check or like severance pay or something like that or maybe a pension right um, just to live off of how does that work um, in terms of like the exact rules for pensions I'm not sure how like all the union contracts work I do know for officers what oftentimes happen is like if they get 
fired, but they don't get like if there's no conviction. Like sometimes they just go and work for other departments, or like they go into yeah. That's what happened to um um. Oh, is it? Uh, what happened to the show? I don't know how to actually pronounce his last name. Derek Chauvin. 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 That's what happened to him. Yeah. Right? He literally killed another guy like a couple of years ago, right? And then he just got fired from there and then moved to, um, Jordan, to um, I'm sorry, where did it happen? Um, Minneapolis. And it's just like... Right. It's just like, wh- why it's... are we hiring these people? Also, I don't know. I, I guess, like, I, of course, like, federally, we can't really do anything about it. It's more of a state-level thing. It's like introduce a bill to not hire people that have a history of killing folks right but killing folks <laughs> yeah. or maybe maybe put someone in charge like you know it has to be a big structural restructuring like i um i'm trying to remember i think um i feel like sometimes they make a chief of police a black person just to say hey i'm we're not racist we got a black chief of police right and um I'm bringing that up mainly because I feel like people aren't doing enough because they think that things are fine. Like they use these guys as tokens or they use them as like, um, there's just too too many safety nets and too many things for people to just act like things are just fine. Like, you know, the way we look at history, it's like racism is technically over because of MLK gave a speech. Like, you know, I have that rant all the time, right? The way we look at history, it's like, you know, racism isn't real. Uh, it's like, even though there's actual Nazis and they're marching, they're, they're, that's their political beliefs. They can have that. And then, like, we're, we're just, like, kind of giving them, like, white supremacy an inch every time. Or, like, people are just giving them an inch every time until we're just going to have full-blown, like, fascism. But I think we're actually at that point. Now I'm thinking about it. Now, I mean, I, I, I don't want to believe that we're in full-blown fascism, uh, cop, blue lives matter world but i think we definitely are it's really sad to think about sorry this is like a weird rant and go ahead yeah i mean i think i mean for one i would say i i i really think the election matters a lot like i do think if trump loses and like we see and people have to push right and it's like and all, I, all i'm saying is is like there are advocates out there who have been working tirelessly for years on like police reform or like police abolition defunding the police they're like um and that's why like i feel like something in the future i want to do is like just highlight organizations that are doing the work like i know anti-police terror project um is an organization in oakland like people have been doing this work but i think biden wins like and we get that government like i think there there is going to be a desire for police reform because i think in the common like in the mass populace i don't think everyone's at fully at defund the police but i do think public opinion on policing has shifted with the killings of, you know, George Floyd. And it was a couple, right? Like it was George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Um, You know, people are, I do think it makes the average person upset regardless, uh, maybe not regardless of the political beliefs, but someone who's in the middle, like, yeah, if you're asleep in your home, like cops shouldn't be able to bust in your door on like a, like a no knock raid and like gun you down. Right. Like, I think that makes people upset. So I do think like, there is a shift in opinion. So I think we're getting to the point that like, maybe there actually will be political will for like some good reform. But I, I think the vision that you have jazz, like, I think if like Trump wins a second term, like, yeah, we're going to see, like, we're going to kind of continue to see like more infringement on civil liberties. Like uh, what happened in, was it in like Oregon or, or Seattle where like they just had like DHS agents who were just like swooping people up and like, throwing oh, yeah. them in the bands and yeah. shit. The secret, like, the actual I think we see more of that yeah like i think we would probably see more of that and so that's why what makes me really scared basically i I heard a lot about secret police in like other countries that are not um the u.s um like 
I, I would think of secret police in like, you know, dictatorships, right? And then I actually saw them. And I was like, oh, those are unmarked. That's what secret police looks like. I was like, oh, this is terrifying. Uh, I mean, they're not wearing like, you know, Gestapo uniforms and they're not like, like what I, I guess what people want to see is Nazism. They like to make them believe that they're maybe not even then, like they actually think that we're living in fascism, right? They, if, if they saw people with SS uniforms, I feel like people wouldn't even recognize it. They'd just be like, oh, well, the, the US military or like, you know, uh the dhs agents they're just like wearing some new like trendy stuff i guess um but they won't actually you know recognize it as uh, fascism until until we're like straight up just saying um how hitler again i don't know uh it's very sad to think about, but this is what the point of this podcast is, so we can complain about like the shitty parts of our world. I did want it, yes, and I did want to talk about the fly, but I also kind of don't want to anymore. Um, I mean, like, did you want to talk about that real quick, and then we'll go into like stuff? So what I was gonna say, Jazz, I think um, I think I had set this meeting up for like hour forty five, so I think we might be dwindling down on time. Okay, well oh. then we, I guess we have like the last maybe ten minutes, I guess, only less than that, right? Um, yeah i'm not gonna go into the fly we don't have to i'm i mean i'll say it real quick that fly don't matter pence uh (laughs) straight up said that uh systematic or systemic racism doesn't exist that's what you'd be focused on please listen to the actual debate people that actually listened to it didn't really listen to they just saw the fly that's annoying um but i guess did you want to did you have any like uh black twitter shares that you wanted to bring up this uh this podcast Oh, no, I actually didn't. I hadn't done too much research, Jess. You could talk about the ones. It sounds like you have a couple that you wanted to share. Yeah, let me, let me bring up a couple. Cause, um... Okay, this is this. I like this one here. So um, so we all know that, um, I, I guess. So uh, Miles Morales is getting his own uh, Spider-Man game for the PS5. Um, and I wish I could bring it up, but there's a picture of his hair, right? So, like, if you look up PS4 Miles Morales, you've you seen PS4 Miles Morales? Have you ever seen, like, the original one? I haven't seen the original one. His hair one, looks but like shit, dude. Picture. It looks, it looks <laughs> like trash. It's like, oh, yeah, they didn't know what to do with black people here at the time. And then, um, and he's a very, very different character from the one in um, in uh, Spider-Verse. Like, different people. I feel like it's like comic books, honestly. Like, you know, people handle the character differently. Um but yeah, right. like you know, you see his hair, and he's like, "Oh, we won!" Like his hair looks yes. really nicely yeah. textured. Like honestly, yeah. it looked like shit in the comics too, because they're just like, "Yeah, we well, black people here, we don't know." And then um, he showed up in Spider Verse, and like, "Yeah, that's black people here." And then they, sh- she shows up in, um, in Spider Man movie, and they're just or Spider Man game, and we're just like, "Oh, they don't know what they're doing." And it's just like back and forth. We're just like, guys, give him a fade. Or give him, like, you know, like, the cool, like, I don't know what to call it, that haircut that, like, the trendy haircut where they have, like, it's, like, not dreading, but it's, like, you know, it looks nice on the top. I just, I, I just, like, it's a fade, too. It looks really nice. Um, I, I don't know what to exactly call it. Here, you can take my black card. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but it does look nice. Like, Miles in uh, the, in the Spider-Verse movie looks really good. But, um, yeah, I. I saw the PS5 photo that was just like I think uh, Troy had liked it or something. It was like we won. Like that was that was really funny. I was like he had the fresh line. He had like the fresh line and everything. It's just like y'all got some black people like finally working on like your software team or something like a consulting. Um, let's see. The other thing was uh, I had it somewhere. Where is it? It was it, it was less. Um, 
this black Twitter share thing. It was less uh, happy and more sad. Oh, yeah, there's some people that are... Um, this is not black Twitter, but there's some tenants uh, blockaded the court entrance. And I think it's... Have you seen that? They're trying to stop people from going to eviction court. Uh, no, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, they're chaining up the courthouse, like, in, I forgot where it's happening at, but they're trying to chain up the courthouse so that people can't have, you know, eviction trials, because why are we having eviction trials during the pandemic? No? During a pandemic, yeah, I've, I, I'm not gonna go too into the weeds, but, like, that's been a looming crisis, right, because the government hasn't passed more support for people, or there haven't been more rent moratoriums, it's yeah. like, we have this looming, like, crisis where, like, people are out of work and they can't afford their rent, so, yeah, so... Uh, it's, I I think I would support that. Um, I mean, I think there's a TikTok that everybody like really likes at the moment where it's like uh, that I want to talk about real quick was the uh, the country music girl uh, reacting to, you know, rap. And she's just like, drugs, gangs, drugs, gangs. We talked about it last night. And then we talked about country music. I mean, okay, the thing is, country music can sound good if it's not just the mainstream bullshit where it's just like, beer trucks tractor like i feel like there's some country that is really good that isn't um just that i mean i don't know what your experience with the country is i try to like expand my taste a lot but i feel like i haven't listened to enough like i used to be like oh yeah whatever fuck country because i think traditional country is like associated with like this kind of white conservatism but I want to be more open. I'm sure there's like some really great country music out there. I don't want to generalize like in the same way they would generalize rap yeah. and think that like whatever you hear on the radio is what like represents everything. So yeah, um, that's where I'm at. Um, I think, wait, where are we at with like Lovecraft country, Denzel? Like, I mean, I mean, this is not the podcast for Lovecraft country. This is, this is like closing thoughts at the moment. Cause I'm, I'm struggling to find these really cool uh, tweets that I liked a lot. Or let me, no, but uh, are we coming close to the end? Like, don't tell me, don't spoil it, but we'll have a spoiler cast and we'll talk about all our favorite shows at one point, right? Um, but, like, where... Are we at the end of the season now? Like, is this ending? I think Sunday is the season finale. Okay. Yeah, I think I think tomorrow is supposed to be the season finale. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I mean, that's not the next podcast. Um, we're definitely going to have... We're going to talk about our racial identity and, like, how that fits into our into our experience and life life experiences and stuff um the next one and once i figure out the name of the podcast episode um should be exciting denzel do you have any closing thoughts that you want to give to our listeners yeah i mean not not too much i mean i think this was like exciting to you know finally get together and, and do this and um you know it is a cool idea i think it was good conversation so hopefully we can you know, tighten it up even more and, and have and bring people on in the future and have some good conversations. Hopefully. But, uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for is just have a lot of people listen or like have a lot of people talk to us. Um, I mean, this is more that's I just, that's just more of me like organizing with you later on that. But um, I think for me, that's all I all I had. Um pretty good first episode i was actually very nervous i didn't think we, we had some times where i like ran out of things to say but i feel like we kept going for a pretty good amount of time uh for people that's tuned in um thank you for listening and and uh people that are listening later on spotify or youtube uh thanks for checking us out um again you can follow us uh do you want to do you want to do or 
like Twitter follow things. I mean, they're on the screen, but also people will be listening. Do you want to like say yours? Oh yeah, I'm you know at Kinwa Chebe ninety five on Twitter and uh, go vote. Uh, yep, and I'm at Jax eighty four. That's J A X Z Z eight four. Uh, Twitter. Also, I was gonna make a joke about uh, you. Like, I was gonna introduce you. I was like, "Oh yeah, uh, this is Denzel. Um, you know, the acclaimed writer of Things Fall Apart." Uh, <laughs> and uh, that would have been funny, but I think I, uh, I forgot about that joke. But I, guess- I, sh- I should write a book. I should write a book on the Trump administration and call it "Things Write Apart" and have my what is it you're a writer jess you know what's that like gnome is it gnome de plume like where people the author has a fake name yeah. like I, I just put quinoa chebe and it's called things fall apart an analysis of the trump administration i would <laughs> no it'd be funny if like okay maybe you would write that but then also you should write a fiction thing about um about like you know the trump the black trump supporter who which is something we're going to get at the next podcast the black trump supporter who's like in the sunken place you know like we should like it would be things fall apart you know a Kanye West story. I don't know. Uh, but I guess that's where we're going to end it here. Okay, Denzel? Say goodbye to the people. Deuces.